My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Today, we will be talking about the concept of scrupulosity in varying contexts, what it is, and how it manifests itself in different forms, how it affects us, and what we can do about it. Today, on Psychologically Incorrect. Hey, Lauren. Hey, how's it going? Nice head, nice headphones. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, like, I call these the that. lawnmower ones. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those are um, all right, those so are pretty intense. Today, yeah, yeah, I like them. But uh, anyway, so today we're going to talk about scrupulosity. And every time I hear this word, I think of Buddy the Elf and think I don't remember. There's some line in it where he says, "That's a fun word to say." Um, <laughs> <laughs> I always think scrupulosity very like fun word. I don't know. It like sounds fun to me. But what I can tell you yeah, about it's fun. It's a little mysterious. for anyone that struggles with it, yeah, but it's anything but fun if you actually struggle with scrupulosity. Um, so I guess we should define it. And Nick, how would you define scrupulosity? Yeah, scrupulosity. So this word comes, comes up a lot when we're doing uh, treatment for OCD. And so what we will we normally associate it with religious scrupulosity. And uh, I'll tell you something a little bit uh, interesting. I was emailed, I was doing some outwork or excuse me, some networking outreach to some churches in the area. And uh, some, a, a pastor emailed me back and she said, oh yes, I remember um, learning about Martin Luther and the case of the scroops, I guess he used to call it, where he would uh, return to the, uh, to the confessional and scrub the floors and have to do all these things to be perfectly religious um, or to be, you know, sort of do the religion just right. And so that's how we think about it in you know, terms of OCD. It literally comes up like that. But basically, we're talking about um, a situation where uh, like obsessing about um, being, being perfect, being perfectly uh, moral, uh, being perfectly sort of righteous or religious. Um, I took this from the International OCD Foundation's um, handout they have on it. And it says scrupulous individuals are overly concerned that something they did or something they thought might be a sin or some other uh, religious uh, moral uh, sort of error. Okay. And essentially, the way I look at this as a need to get religion or morality just right. So I kind of view it as another manifestation of just right OCD in the way I conceptualize it. How about you? Yeah, I would say it's like trying to be like very simply, right? Trying to be perfectly religious or trying to be perfectly moral. And I think you could take that a step further and saying trying to live without regrets, trying to be entirely sure about your decisions, trying to make sure you are always on the right side of the line. Um, and what happens is the feeling of regret and guilt becomes remarkably painful for people and they want to avoid it at all costs. So we're talking, we, you know, we've been in defining this, we're talking about it through the lens of OCD, but you don't have to have 
necessarily like full blown, you know, clinically significant OCD to struggle with some amount of this. You know, I would say that like people pleasing um, or struggling with a lot of like feelings of social guilt or, you know, or like that kind of stuff kind of falls under that umbrella, falls downstream from that umbrella in, you know, a less significant way. Um, But I, I think that with scrupulosity, Martin Luther is, you know, the classic, you know, origin story where we talk about religious obsessions, trying to be perfectly religious. I think I see a lot more, especially in young people, just anecdotally, more moral perfectionism, wanting to be perfectly moral, wanting to not make mistakes, wanting to do the right thing, wanting to not be misperceived. And it becomes where like they're constantly self-correcting to ensure that they are always good that they are not wrong. They are not bad. They're always on the right side of the line. So have, so have you. So I've been seeing a lot more moral perfectionism amongst younger people. Um, that's just generally speaking, obviously, you know, older, you know, it spans the age range and whatnot, but, um, I moral and religious scrupulosity are similar and also very different and have the same kind of driving force. Yeah, this desire, like you're saying, to be perfect, to not um, to, to appear a certain way to others, you know. And I think, um, you know, to speak about anecdotes, just like you were, I think that's part of why we wanted to just talk about this because we're seeing these things and it's coming up in our therapy sessions, but we also see it online and in the media. And you know, and I've altered my own behavior sometimes to, you know, it's 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 just some silly example, just about how we use words. And if I write an email and I write, "Hey guys." <laughs> but not everybody on the email is a guy, you know what I mean? And, and if I, you know, yeah. I'm taking too much time to think about this then I'm wasting my time. I just need to get this email out. You know what I mean? And so those are some, uh, some ways I think it creeps in. Um, but if you could imagine, you know, that's just me writing an email and I'm, I don't think I have a real big problem with this, but you know, people do, and, and, and we see it a lot and hear it a lot. And I think it's, it's, uh, part of why I think we're talking about this is because there seems to be something in the water in our culture today about, you know, wanting to be, you know, perfectly moral. And this is where you hear things like being woke and, and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I, that, that's, that's why we're talking about it and why we're bringing it up because we think it's an issue. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. I think that, um, you know, what we, the social phenomenon of you know, cancel culture, call out culture, uh, internet disagreements, all of that is going to perpetuate like, well, shoot, I don't want to get it wrong because I don't want to be called out. I don't want people to be upset with me. And so mm -hmm. your example of let me even check myself, my, when I'm writing this email to make sure it's not going to be misperceived. I mean, if you are thinking through that lens in everything that you do over the course of the day that is going to be incredibly taxing, incredibly exhausting, and also really anxiety-provoking. Um, so it, it can be debilitating for people, it, it, you know, and there's extreme cases and there's more mild cases. But I think generally one thing that I think about with it is, you know, our self-esteem and our self-concept and our ability to view ourselves as a valid and worthy person uh, is compromised when I always doubt myself, when I'm always censoring myself, when I'm always edging myself, when I'm always saying, how do I say this? Because I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not allowing myself to clearly and speak freely and communicate what I think. And um, 
So yeah, I mean, I think that this is a, a phenomenon that we're seeing more of. So can we maybe transition into talking a little bit about the uh, cognitive behavioral underpinnings of this as we see it? You know, I uh, you wrote down some things about the behaviors that we see. Um, uh, maybe it's helpful to step back a little bit and look at the cognitive distortions that might be going on for somebody that's being uh, that's trying to get it just right uh, morally or, or or being scrupulous. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you know, what are the thoughts that you would say drive scrupulosity? So mind reading is the first thing that comes to mind, you know, um, you know, jumping to the conclusions about what other people might be thinking or what they or, or what they might think if I say it a certain kind of way or if I act a certain way. Um, uh, jumping to conclusions comes to mind. Um which is a part of mind reading, I suppose, is just, you know, thinking about how this is going to all work out. Um, the other thing that I really think, and I think this is a distortion that comes up most so often uh, when I'm working with people is should, you know, mm -hmm. um, that I, that I should be, you know, a, a, a certain degree moral or a certain degree scrupulous with my religion, um, or, you know, or else some catastrophe occurs or whatever. But and and also too, not that I should be that way, but also that that the world should be a, a, at a certain level. And this is where you see that call out culture and you know um, sort of people trying to outwoke each other about you know how, how sensitive they're being. Um, so you know this this should is turned inwards, but it's you know outwards too, and people should be acting a certain way. Um, re Let's and just I take a moment on that. That's it, though, a really, really good point. Okay. I was just going to say that that's a really good, if I have this standard that I need, like it, that there's rigidity really in what you're saying, that this is the right way to see things and this is the right way to view things and you need to match that. Well, what's going to be the natural response of the other person? Right. Right. Uh, so we'll say more about that. You're, you, I lost your picture well, and some of your uh, audio. So we're going to uh, keep, we're going to keep going. I was just going to say, I think the natural response to you should be this way is going to be anger is going to lead to discord and conflict and yeah. more social distrust and all of these things. No, I, t I totally agree. And, 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 and I, anger, that's the, always the, you know, when I'm talking to people about cognitive therapy, um, anger is always the one that I go to when somebody cuts me off in traffic, I always say, and, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I think. You know, you shouldn't do that. No one should drive that way, you know, and I'm really stewing on what the person, how a person should be acting. Um, it's hard for me to get off that because I really believe that people should drive a certain way. And it's not like the guy that just cut me off. Um, and if I'm chewing on that and I'm not leaving from that or challenging that about my notions for how I think the world should be or should operate, then I'm going to stay in that anger. And when you look at, you know, public discourse and what you see on social media and um about how people should be acting and should be thinking if you're if you're sitting with that and, and you're not challenging that and realizing that you're shooting then yeah you're going to be angry you're going to be um you're, you're that that's going to come out in all kinds of different ways it's unhelpful um for healthy dialogue about about these things so yeah, absolutely. So I, really, if you look at the list of cognitive distortions, I think they all sort of come up with um, with scrupulosity. But I would think the main ones would be should or must thinking and mind reading. Um, do you, can you think of any others that you want to comment on? I'd say probably some black and white of just like, if that's not within the acceptable framework, then it's wrong. 
Yeah. What did you say in the beginning before we were talking? Um, before we started recording? Oh, yeah. Uh, it I was said, about black or white. It was a, a similar. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying how with scrupulosity, we try to take something that's fairly objective, like our views of religion or morality. And we subjective. We try to make it objective. We try to make it black and white and factual and that like a rigidity can only be this way. Um, and I just think issues of religion and morality and how we should what we should value and how we should act, they just are not objective. Everybody views it slightly differently. You know, some people value above all things and others value above all things responsibility, right? And that's just a simple, like, using money, right? Like, it's important for me to be generous and give. And somebody could say mm -hmm. it's incredibly important for me to be responsible and diligent and saving and, you know, whatever. And it's not that one's right or one's wrong. It's just, where, where how do you see things? Right, right. Yeah. And then we use these things to judge ourselves and to judge others. So when we, again, once when we, by trade, we are cognitive behavioral therapists. So we think about these things and through this lens, you know, and, uh, and the distorted thinking patterns of, uh, that lead to scrupulous thinking and, mo and, and moral, just right, uh, endeavors, uh, are, are, um, are fueled by these thinking distortions. Yeah. So Lauren, what about behaviors? What, what, what do we want to say about behavior? So if that's the thoughts that sort of go into this, what behaviors do we see with scrupulosity? I mean, to put it kind of a general umbrella, the biggest thing that I see with scrupulosity is incredibly low self-esteem because you doubt yourself constantly. And it is very hard to feel confident and secure in, in yourself if you are constantly doubting yourself. Um, I, I, a really interesting concept, or I guess I should say, you know, a word we use uh, psychologically when we talk about this is concept of being self-denying. And self-denying, I would define as like, if we're deciding what to eat, and let's say I really want pizza, I'm not going to volunteer it. I'm going to say, what does everybody else want? And if everybody else wants Thai, I'm going to say Thai sounds great, where I'm actively silencing my voice, my wants, my opinions, my likes, my dislikes to go with the crowd. I'm making my own thoughts, wants, desires, all of that stuff unimportant. Um, so self-denying, mm. people-pleasing, lots of perfectionism. I need to get it right. I can't get it wrong. I need to be on the right side of the line. Um, hedging, uh, where I don't really want to give, you know, what I really think because I don't want to be, you know, misinterpreted so i'm always going to be adding clarifiers and downplaying what i think and as you can see like that's just not going to help your self-esteem you're not going to feel confident or secure if you're like well maybe i think this and maybe this is the right way to, to see it or you could see it differently and that's okay like and i mean to that point if you could see it differently and that's i mean that's implied obviously you're going to see it differently and it's okay for you to see it differently but that doesn't mean that it's not okay for me to see it how I see it. Um, clarifying, lots of clarifiers, right? How much do we see that on social where it's like, and to not be misunderstood and to let me clarify, right? Like that's such a like common behavior these yeah. days. Let me get this right. Let me, let me be perfectly mm -hmm. clear, right? We say lots of stuff like that. And mm -hmm. um, it's just, do we need that? Is that necessary? Um, and I guess the last behavior I'd add would be over-apologizing. 
oh, I'm so sorry. Did I bother you? Did I did I offend you? Did I have I inconvenienced you? Right. All of that stuff. It just kind of first of all, no one likes it's kind of annoying, you know. I don't know. It's very annoying. And people <laughs> it's it very it's very annoying. And and I, I talk with I talk with so many people who who will do that and I'll kind of say, Well, why are you apologizing? Well, I just wanted to, you know, I just I just I just I just um just this walking on eggshells uh yeah. nature that we kind of fallen into. And uh, and I think that's another, you know, one of the behaviors there. Of course, that you know, it's implied about the eggshells thing. But yeah, self-denying, all these things that you stated. Um, you know, I think, you know, like you said, over-apologizing does fall into this because it's like, um, I, I don't want to offend. I want to make sure that you're not offended. I want to make sure, just to make sure you fully understand all those things you say. And and they become these new the new verbal hedge. You know what? Maybe people talk this way in 1985, Lauren. I don't know. It, 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 we we are not doing, you know, sort of rigorous research here. But from what we're and, and 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 we should say too, we might be a little bit biased with regards to our careers. You know what I mean? And the, and and we we see this. Um, but I think we're talking about it though too because we see it a lot on social media and 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 our families and our friends and um, and just sort of the way that we talk to each other. Um, so that's solid science right there. Uh, I just want to say Definitely. Um, yeah. our observations are. Uh, well, I think it's just yeah. you have to allow for the duality between being confident and also being humble and fallible. You can be both. I can take up space and say what I have mm -hmm. to say, and I can say it in a confident tone. And I can also admit that, like, there are limitations to what I say and that maybe I'll change my mind and maybe I can be wrong. And yes. that's okay. It doesn't mean that I'm an invalid person. It just means that, like, yeah, maybe I evolved my thought. That's okay. But I don't have to say, I don't have to be entirely sure or entirely confident to be valid or worthy of sharing my perspectives. I don't have. Right. I don't have to publish right. research needs to share my opinion. Right. No, that's exactly right. You're kind of calling me out for, for that a little bit here, which oh, is I, good. Oh, I wasn't um, meaning to. But, but I think that. Um, I'm sorry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, we should end it right there. Just cut it right there. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but 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 the, but the problem with that is it stifles debate and it stifles, you know, um, creative thinking skills. Um, you know, and, and, and you, I, 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 I've read it in some book somewhere or some article about college campuses where, you know, people don't want to have debate. They, they, they kind of like bite their tongue because, uh, their opinion might be a little bit, um, uncomfortable, uh, or, or controversial. So, you know, if you're on college campuses and, you know, that, that's the place where you should be debating these ideas and learning how to be an adult and learning how to grapple with these tough issues. We're not talking about any issues in particular here. Just people who are walking on eggshells about this stuff, trying to be perfectly moral and perfectly scrupulous and not want to make anybody mad. Well, then nobody says any damn thing, you know? And then when somebody does say something controversial, everybody loses their mind, you know? Um, which well, just reinforces yeah. the silence. Uh, so yeah. it's, a dangerous, it's a dangerous place. I totally agree. I think the other thing that we should mention that can happen as a result of this is that we can get an overcorrection and we can get a lot of anger and blaming and um, almost overcorrected on the other side. Well, I don't want to offend. I'm going to offend, right? Like to just be like outwardly angry. That's the other thing that happens. Does right. that make sense? Like you go from passive 
and passive aggressive to aggressive. The pendulum swings. Yeah, true. And you also see some personality, some personality. uh, What I mean is like, like, um, um, some people in the media, some, some big, bigger personality media people that you might be able to think of off the top of your head who make careers out of this, who make careers out of, you know, just sort of just say things that are outlandish, just sort of fight back against kind of what we're talking about here. Um, and sometimes that's not helpful either. Cause they're just not even being genuine. They're just saying things to, you know, make people all fired up. But, um, but yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I think that in college campuses, like when I thought of the anger thing, it's like you have the people that are scared to talk and then you have the people that are going to blow up the microphone. Both of those things, those phenomenons will happen. Mm-hmm. And that's at just like that micro example of a college campus. Um, and as you like you said, totally, that also happens in the media, right? You have the people that try to get, you know, so be so perfectly clear or woke or um, inclusive to the point that it's hard to even suss out what what are we even saying here and then you have the people that kind of go on you know overcorrect and as you said angry into the microphone right right so 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 religious scrupulosity moral scrupulosity we we see that in ocd of course but we see that we see that a lot these days um in the public square on the social media public square um and so you know what what do, what do we want to say? What what are the, some of the uh, limitations of this? Have we covered that? Or is there well, anything else to say about talk, you know, limitations? Let's talk a little bit about social justice scrupulosity. So this is something that, um, so we all, we know what social justice is. Mm-hmm. When I was at the OCD conference, there I went to a talk on scrupulosity. And at the end, which was so interesting, it was at the end, somebody brought up and said, hey, one thing that we, haven't talked about a ton, but we're seeing a lot of is social justice scrupulosity of trying to be perfectly inclusive, trying to be perfectly woke, to be perfectly respectful, to get it right so that I, you know, well, then, you know, whatever the fear of consequences. So I, you know, don't get it wrong. So I don't offend people. So I don't get canceled. So I don't get called out. Right. Um, And it was really interesting because the experts on the panel were like, yeah, we're actually seeing a ton of social justice scrupulosity and there's not a ton uh, written about it. You know, this is really just like an evolving thing. Um, And I I think it's really fascinating because it's it's uh, it's it's right. We're taking subjective and we're trying to make it objective, but we're adding this layer of fear. I can't get it wrong. And when you add fear, we're driving anxiety and it's going to be become something that becomes just very difficult and all encompassing and painful for people. So social justice group is taking everything that we've just been saying and saying, applying it to the idea of being perfectly correct in how we navigate social justice, (laughs) which spoilers do. Right. And this is a, this, this, this reminds me of, um, I don't know, the say, the saying silence is violence. Um, oh, I don't know if I've heard that. You, oh, you've never heard anybody say that silence is violence on these social justice issues. If you're silent, that's the same as violence, um, which is not true. <laughs> you know, you're not, um, being, actual violence is actual violence. You know, if you're being silent on an issue, maybe you're thinking about it, you know, 
maybe you need to be won over. Um, maybe, maybe you're not there yet. Um, maybe you're checked out and you're worried about, you know, uh, your own life and what, what's going on. Um, there's a whole, there's an infinite number of maybes about why a person is silent on a social justice issue. And so when you hear things like silence is violence, it's like, well, okay, not really not. And, and to equate it with the actual violence is a real problem. I've heard other people talk about this before, um, you know, but, uh, so this isn't new, but like, but, but that just makes me think of that This, you know, if I'm not on the front lines of every issue, then, you know, I'm part of the problem somehow. Um, no, you know, no. Well, that's going to drive um, that, that, a lot of what people guilt say that, and, that that's a version of this. Yeah. And it's going to drive a lot of guilt and insecurity and social distrust and, and all of those things. Um, and I think what you're getting at is this is one of these dynamics where larger culture is reinforcing something that is pretty maladaptive. Right. And that's why we're talking about this because it is maladaptive and we have to, uh, we, we got We got to see this differently. We got to see this, um, in a non-distorted way. You know what I mean? We don't have to be morally perfect. You know, and this, this comes up a lot. Like I was saying, like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, Hey, look, the mailman's here. I, I mean, male person, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't want, or, you know, constantly worrying about fixing our language and and i don't want to sound like an old man here but like it's true if somebody does it that way and you know they don't have to be totally corrected there you know yes women and non-binary people could be could deliver the mail but you know if if somebody um does it that way i don't need that we don't need to lose our minds and uh and say that that person is violent violent against uh the trans community <laughs> <laughs> yeah well okay so let's let's one thing that i think that is worth pointing out is that yeah as you said silence is violence and mistakes mean no, silence is not violence yes that's what i meant silence is not violence and i think okay. that there's this fear of making a mistake and if i make a mistake it means something about me to put that in cbt terms we call that personalization i made a mistake Therefore, I'm a bad person. I performed a microaggression. Like, I hurt that person, right? And there's a whole downstream, uh, you know, thing here. One thing that we talk about all the time is OCD therapists, anxiety therapists. Perfection is impossible. Perfection is impossible. You are a human. You will make mistakes. You need to own your mistakes. You need to learn from your mistakes. You need to be able to experience regret and guilt without turning it into shame and trying to like compulsively correct and ensure that you'll never make a mistake again. You know, and the pressure to get it right can feel absolutely suffocating. That doesn't mean yeah. that we're going to openly get it wrong and not care. <laughs> it doesn't mean that. It means try, be thoughtful, of be course. kind, be a respectful person, be a reasonable person. Being that... And knowing that there's more you could do, and yet you are not doing it for whatever reason, does not mean you does not mean maybe anything. Maybe it does. Maybe it isn't meaningful. I agree. I don't know. I I agree, and I tell um, for for people that I treat for OCD, and especially as look with moral scrupulosity or religious scrupulosity. 
really with any sort of perfectionism, I'm always encouraging mediocrity. You know, um, I'm encouraging sort of to be, uh, I said it to a woman yesterday who was religious scrupulosity. I said, I want you to be a, a mediocre Christian. And she <laughs> laughed because she, but she, she said, no, I can't do that. And I says, well, I mean, uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that with people who are really up here on that very high end of trying to dot every I across every T to be perfectly moral, asking them to be, to be mediocre or to take the foot off the gas pedal of, of perfectionism gets them to a place where they're still living a good moral, you know, in her case, Christian life. You know, to your point, I'm not going to ask some, you know, narcissist jerk to be, to have mediocre morals because their, their, their morals are already down there. They need to try harder. You know, they need to not, you know, so, so, so yeah, I agree. We have to try, we have to, we have to make good efforts. We have to learn, we have to apologize when we do things wrong. Um, but we can't get lost in that to the point where we don't say anything, you know, um, because that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest distortion here is if you don't get it right, then you don't care and you're a bad person. And yeah, that's just not true. And it's also painting with too broad of a brush. If I don't get it right, then I'm a bad person. I'm always a bad person in every concept. That's all I'll ever be. I and who sure. I am in my whole being is bad. No, sorry. It just doesn't work that way. People make great choices in their life. They make not so great choices in our, their life. And I'm going to hope that they're going to learn and evolve and, you know, be reasonable and, you know, go towards growth. But we cannot define ourselves by every single thing we do or say. Because that will right. be an advocating way to live. Right? Yep. And I think many people are living that way these days. Yep. Well, and they feel pressure. They feel social pressure to do that. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't you think? Right. Right. I, I, yes, I do. So what do we do about it? What, what, what's the antidote? What's the, Let's what's fix the this. No, this? I don't know. Um, well, mm -hmm. actually, before we get there, let me just say one thing. We, um, we're both on the board of the OCD Pennsylvania group. And something that I thought was really interesting in the board meeting, maybe, I don't know if you even noticed this, if that even peaked up your ears. We were talking and one of the board members just kind of outwardly said, oh, social media is just the worst. And it just felt like such a change because for a long time, we were talking about how do we engage social media? And, and we, I, I feel like this is more recent that like there's a lot of more general language that I'm hearing in everyday life, but like in like a board professional setting to just start for people just starting to say out loud, this kind of sucks. And I think that um, one thing about social media that I see in, in my uh, scrupulosity cases, social justice and otherwise, is it feels so permanent. I'm I'm permanently writing something that I'm going to be defined by. And because of that, I cannot make a mistake. And there's all sorts of great examples of cancel culture of somebody making a mistake and they lose their job or their, you know, whatever. Um, and so the right. pressure sure. to get right on there is particularly high where, you know, if you're just if you're just speaking verbally, there's there's a lot less pressure. And so I think in terms of what do we do about it? I think we have to think about. I feel like we're always talking about social media, but uh, the, social media is a little bit of a, um, uh, what's the word for it? It's a, it's just a venue that escalates these microcosm. 
microcosm maybe, right? So if we think about the pressure to get it right, so I'm not wrong, so horrible things don't happen, um, when there's a permanence of putting it in writing with a, you know, digital trail, that just escalates things for people. And I think that one thing that I'm seeing, and like I said, I noticed that in the board meeting, is that people are starting to verbally undervalue that in a way that we maybe didn't see three or five years ago, or even maybe two years ago. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Well, verbally undervalue what? Social media. I I, I feel like I'm hearing a lot more lately, personally and professionally, people saying things out loud. Oh, social media is the worst. Sure. That feels like a more (laughs) Obviously, we agree, but uh, I think we're starting to talk about it. And I think one thing that... um, I cannot tell you how many people have told me, and I don't mean necessarily professionally, I mean personally, God, I can't stand the internet because I feel like everything I do, I, I, I'm i going to put my foot in my mouth or someone's going to have something to say about this and it's just too stressful and I'd yeah. rather not deal with it. And it's just so much nicer to talk in person. I've had that conversation with so many people and I'm not the one driving that conversation. No, I agree. No, you're right. And I, I have to. And and I will tell you, um, as you're talking about this, and I've realized this just before now, but like I belong to some groups on Facebook, you know, and it's like psychology related groups or whatever and OCD. And and I rarely post. And I rarely post because some of the questions I have, I like, ah, someone's gonna say something about this and I just don't want to deal with it. You know? And so I've I've altered I know I've altered my behavior you know because of it and and I, not that I'm about to say something crazy controversial on you know OCD Facebook website but I just sometimes just don't want to deal just don't want to deal with it you know and uh, and that 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 has altered my own um, my own behavior um, I don't know yeah no I I agree I, I think, I think I, I'm hearing that's that a more good point. and more too in my personal life yeah I think that's a great point and. You know, even you, like we, you do this, this is your work, right? Like you're, we think about these ideas in ways that many other people are not thinking about. And even you, despite everything you know about scrupulosity and anxiety and social anxiety and behavior and all of these things, you still have that thought of, oh, I don't really want to deal with the recourse. You know exactly what it is, you know, like, "Ah, is (laughs) whatever. So I don't put my voice out there. I don't, I don't put, Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do about this? Um, you wrote a bunch of good things on our, our little note sheet. Um, and it's a lot of what we've said before. Humility, fallibility, openness, dialogue. Um, that's it. I'd, I'd say that's the answer. We just need much, much more of that. Don't you think? I do. And I, you know, I think, again, as a cognitive Behaviorally oriented psychologists, I'm constantly asking people to think about their thinking and recognize these distorted thinking patterns because they're real and we need to be challenging them when we challenge ourselves. When I'm going down the road and I'm thinking somebody's an asshole, I've got to say, well, I don't know if they're really an asshole and, um, you know, or if somebody says something to me that's not woke enough for my preference, you know, I can't look at them and say silence is violence. I have to say, well, listen, man, I don't know what that person's up to, what they think on this. Maybe they, maybe there's somebody that I can move, you know, if I do get to talk to them or something like that, whatever, just you know, like you say, dialogue with them, have openness, but, I, but, but recognize that these distortions exist, you know, and recognize that the underpinning for what, how, why we behave in the way that we do and why we're 
you know, quick to call somebody out, you know, on, on, on Facebook or whatever, you know, because we have that reaction. We have to kind of step back to this. So how am I interpreting this in a way that's making me all fired up here? You know, do I really want to be part of this? And that, and that's, that's probably ultimately why I don't post. Cause I don't even want, sometimes I don't even want to be a part of any dialogue online. <laughs> you know, I like to talk to people and this is making me like a very old person now, but like, but yeah, I just, I just don't get it. Like, why do I want to have this debate? But you know, sometimes I do whatever, but, sometimes you um, take but anyway, but I, to have the, yeah. Oh no, sorry. Finish what you were going to say. I apologize. No. Um, I didn't mean to cancel just you. To, oh my God, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> you canceled me right here live. Um, no, but also to have empathy for others who are not getting it perfectly right. I think that's another point here too, you know, because we get you know, th thinking about shooting and, 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 and looking at other people and, you know, believing that they should think the way that you do or, 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 or be sort of, uh, morally advanced like you are and, and say things in a certain way, you know, they don't have to get it perfectly right. Maybe they're still learning. Let's have a little bit of empathy for our common, uh, common man. <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> women or non-binary there, yeah, but we have, we have to be... <laughs> We have to be, we have to have some empathy for other people that there might not be there yet. And I hope people will have empathy for me. You know what I mean? I hope people afford me the same grace and understanding that I'm trying to offer others. Listen, I don't have all this figured out. I'm just saying, you know, you and I are talking about this and, and recognize this as a problem. And I think these are some of the things that we can do. Yeah, no, I think that's good. So two things that I'd add. Number one, um, we're asking for empathy, but also take risks. Be willing to be wrong. Be willing to be called out. Like, we can't be scared of that. We just can't be. So take risks. Be willing to talk. Be it online. Thank you, you for if saying you like, that. If you like that thing or also just in person. Hey, I see things differently. Here's where I'm coming from. Okay, cool. Hopefully we're not going to be, you know, bound at the stake for it or, you know, whatever. And that's okay. Um, okay. The other thing that I think I'll make you laugh at this. You want to know what a pet peeve of mine is? When people online say, as someone who's a CBT therapist, I think we should be taking risks. And I, well, I'm, right. I'm just putting in my own voice, right? As someone who is blank, right? Like that just like bothers yeah. me. So I don't know what it is that bothers me, but it's like we have to like prove our qualifications or something. So if I said something like, as oh. a CBT therapist, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to ask for empathy and understanding that I may not get it right. No, don't say that. Just put yourself out there. Right. Take a risk. Right. You don't and have deal to with the blood. You don't have to preface it. You don't have to hedge. You have to trust that whatever feedback will come back to you and you can deal with it. And that's that. Right. 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 So, so did I annoy you there by saying as a cognitive no, 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 no. psychologist? Nick, I think I did. I think I did a little bit. <laughs> Wait, let me. I'll tell you one last I funny thing. I did apologize. Yeah, good. Don't apologize. Let's just, I'll, maybe I'll think you're a jerk and maybe we'll just have to like live with that, you know, blind spot. Wait, let me tell you one more funny thing to end. So I had to take my three-year-old to her well visit and she's in this really funny stage of where she always asks me very, you know, three-year-old questions. So like, we'll be at a party and she'll be like, mommy, what is that person's name? I'm like, I don't know that person. Do you want me to go ask them their name for you? Uh, but still, I'm waiting for the doctor to come in and it's, you know, his name is Ken. So like, he looks like a boy and she goes, mommy, is my doctor a boy? And I was like, 
I think he is. <laughs> he looks like he is. <laughs> he uh, identifies as a right. boy. And I'm just sitting there listening to myself. And I'm oh. like, what do I even say? I'm confused. I think I should just say, yes, he's a boy. <laughs> but the whole dialogue, which is really funny in my head, because I'm like, what am I dealing with here? Is it a boy? Well, he looks like one, honey. Why don't we just leave it at that? <laughs> right. Let's just leave it at that. And and that's okay. And if you know what, if he's not, then you will find out. Yeah. 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 And what? Yeah. He might not have his pronouns and he's going to say, I'm Dr. Ken and we're just going to let it be what it is going to be. And we're going to probably get it wrong. And I probably did the wrong thing with my kid. And oh, well, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's too black or white for me, Lauren. I don't know if it's wrong or right. Let's have let's have uh, let's have some empathy and understanding. But listen, I. I think this is, I think this is, um, I hope that people, you know, hear this and, um, and kind of, you know, kind of let this sink in a little bit about, you know, the degree to which we're trying to be perfect. You know, um, I'm often praising mediocrity and, um, maybe we can end on mediocrity. Yeah. Let's just be mediocre. All right. Sounds good, man. Catch you later. Okay, Lauren. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review, and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.